Uh, the first is this. Uh, if God will never let us go, then why do some Christians turn away from him? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's enormously painful uh, if you're a follower of Jesus and you know somebody who, who once was a keen, devoted follower of Jesus and they've, they've turned away. You think, uh, why is it that it seems like God has let them go? Well, we, we need to keep remembering two things that the Bible holds very tightly together, and that is that God is completely in control of absolutely everything. And at the same time, we have a genuine will. So we are in a position where we make decisions and God holds us accountable for them. Both of those two things are together in a special way that we can't quite always understand, but he has no trouble saying them in the Bible. And so how does that help us with this question? Well, we need to remember that in one sense, God will respect our decision. If a person wants to jump out of his hands, to use that metaphor, uh, then he will let them do that. But at the same time, he, he's not going to, to push you out of his hand or he's not going to drop you or let you go. And so I, I want to say that that's a great source of comfort. And in all of this, if as you are listening to this, you are feeling that maybe you have drifted away from the Lord or, or you're just not sure if you're friends with him anymore or when you once were, uh, if you have that on your heart and you want to come to the Lord, then you can do that and he will open up his arms and let you in. So uh, bear that in mind as we look at these questions. Here's a related question, question two. Why does God let the devil tempt people to turn away from Christianity? Well, God has let the devil have an impact on Christians for a limited time only. Uh, it's a reality of life this side of heaven as we await for the final day when Jesus will return. And as part of this evil age, Satan continues to have an impact on Christians. Uh, but when this present evil age comes to an end, then we know that he will be judged by Jesus and he will be gone and sent away forever, which is a, which is a great source of comfort, I think. Uh, but at the moment, he continues to roam around like a lion, but a, sort of a lion with no teeth, as it was once described to me. Uh, because we read this comforting verse in James chapter 4, verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Sounds pretty straightforward, pretty simple. The devil wants us to think that he's sort of more in control of the universe than, than Jesus is. Uh, well, that's another lie. It's not true. Jesus is in control. And, uh, but we, we also know that the Lord allows the devil to do things, and one of them is to help us have a stronger faith in him. And uh, it's worth thinking about that even in the sort of the current situation we're in with this coronavirus. Hear these words also from James chapter 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. The third question, when people stop following Jesus, did they ever really know him? Oh, this is another really tricky question uh, it, because it, it, it's real. We, we are talking about real people in these situations. Uh, it seems that I, I sort of was thinking about this during the week. There are sort of three different options to this. Uh, the first is that the people who stopped following Jesus never really fully trusted in him and uh, their, appearance, their appearance was just pretend. And so you sometimes see this when someone gets older and you say, listen, you seem to have a really vibrant faith. You just loved Jesus when you were a teenager. What's happened? And they'll say, listen, as I reflect back, I never really did. 
I sort of put on the act or got swept along with things. So that's one option. A second option is that they truly follow Jesus, but now are acting in a way that's like they're not following him, like an unbeliever. And if that is the case, then it may well be that the Lord has them and he continues to have them um, in his family and yet they are being disobedient. They're walked away as though they have not followed him uh, and they may well turn back. And I've spoken to uh, even some people in, in our own church here who say a similar thing, that their faith was real in Christ, that they had a, a real vibrant relationship with him when they were younger and they went through life, went through some hard things and turned away but never really deep down walked away and now I've come back and it's just wonderful that you're here with us. A third option is that these people never truly followed Jesus and they have now chosen to walk away and they will never return again. Uh, this is, sorry, I don't think I actually said that correctly. The third option is that they truly followed Jesus and now have truly walked away. Uh, I think this is harder to get our heads around theologically. It, it, it's not like I see the Bible talking that way, but I also know my experience is that I see some people who, who just seem fully with Jesus and now have walked away. We just need to keep reading the Bible and understanding how God works in the world and realize that there is some things we won't fully understand until we see him face to face. Uh, the fourth question is this. Uh, will the people who ate the first bread in the desert go to heaven or hell? Uh, if you were with us last week, you'll know that we were looking at John chapter 6 where Jesus was talking about how there, was a, uh, there were some people who were in the desert. They were originally the people who walked with Moses. And uh, they, we read in John chapter 6, verses 49 and 50, your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. Uh, so what Jesus is doing is he's contrasting the physical bread from God that he gave his people in the wilderness just after they left Egypt, the, the actual physical stuff they could hold and touch and eat. He's contrasting that with the spiritual bread from heaven that refers to Jesus himself. So clearly the Old Testament people died of old age or whatever, uh, even though they ate God's bread, the physical bread. But Jesus is saying that anyone who now eats his flesh, which is a, a kind of a, a picture way of describing, uh, engages fully and trusts with Jesus, uh, then they will never die. And so if you spiritually consume Jesus, if you come to him, then you can know that uh, if you do that, you will remain spiritually alive forever. Uh, I know many people who trust in the Lord Jesus. They have, to follow this metaphor, they have eaten his flesh. They have, they have come to him and fully trusted in him and they've died. But I know that because they have died in Christ, they are alive with him right now. And that is the great hope we have. What about those who were back then at the time of the Exodus? Well, it's not just about eating the stuff. They, if they actually trusted in God through that time, then we can expect that they are in fact saved by Jesus, that they ate the physical bread, but indeed Jesus saved them by his spiritual bread. A couple more to come. Question five. Uh, if there are no disabilities in heaven, then why do we sing about Jesus's heavenly scars? Ah, this is a, a tricky one, this one. It was because a few weeks ago we sang the old song, Lo, Lo He Comes With Clouds Descending, and these are the lyrics. They say, those dear tokens of his passion still his dazzling body bears, cause of endless exaltation to his ransom worshippers. So this person saying, if Jesus 
is resurrected and he's got his resurrected body and he's got scars, then how does that work, that we would worship those scars? And why would he have scars if he's got the, the resurrected body? Because doesn't that mean that if somebody who is friends with Jesus on this earth dies in a way that causes their body to have a great disfigurement or maybe they have a disability or they're, they're injured, they lose a limb or something like that, then that's not going to continue on into the life that is to come, surely. And I think that's right. The, the resurrected body will, will be a new, fresh body that won't have the marks of this world. But I think the reason that Jesus, in fact, continues to have those, those dear tokens of his passion, to use that language, is because his resurrected body is resurrected because of his scars. And uh, they are something that, that we can say they are beautiful scars. They are glorious scars. To, so that Jesus can say to Thomas, um, you, you've doubted me, but have a look at my hands. Have a look at my side. And he can go, my Lord and my God. And I think that's why, even though we won't have these same injuries and scars and, and disfigurements, we can be, uh, be worshipping Jesus as he shows us his scars and we say, thank you. Uh, two to come. Uh, question six. How and why did Paul hand some people over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme? Uh, whew, it's a fairly intense question. Uh, twice in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 Timothy 1, Paul speaks of handing people over to Satan. What he's talking about is uh, a situation where some people who said they were followers of Jesus were living in a way that was clearly out of accord with what Jesus says. Uh, they, were, they were acting in a deeply immoral way. And Paul, the apostle, as he writes to the church, said, yeah, that's not the deal. Uh, you can't have someone within the congregation, within the church, who says, I'm a follower of Jesus, and yet is living completely the opposite way. And so what needs to happen is that person needs to be, uh, in a sense, given a wake-up call to say, listen, we're worried that your relationship with Jesus is not real because you're acting like it's not. And so Paul says to hand them over to Satan. I, uh, there's another time that... Uh, that the Lord, that someone handed someone over to Satan. It was in the book of the Bible called Job. It's spelt Job, but it's Job. We looked at it in detail a few years ago. And uh, the Lord handed Job over to Satan. And what happened? Satan gave him all these afflictions. And so I think handing over to Satan is actually Paul saying, I want this guy to be sort of roughed up a bit by the Lord, by the Satan, rather, uh, so that they will have a wake-up call and say, I was wrong, I need to come back to Jesus. Uh, and uh, if you're listening tonight and uh, you think that you have things in your life where, where you've acted in a way that is, is making Jesus unhappy with you, then hopefully even this whole coronavirus for all of us is a wake-up call to make sure that our heavenly affairs are in order and there's time to come back and say, I'm sorry, and he will accept you if you do that. Finally, question seven. Does God answer our prayers through the people we meet? Well, God answers prayers in all sorts of different ways. And uh, you need to remember that he'll sometimes use very normal means to answer our prayers. Uh, we, we like to see the supernatural kind of head spinning, wow, super, you know, lightning and thunder and stuff. Uh, sometimes he'll use things that are just kind of every day. And we, we, uh, we, need to, um, we, we need to see that he will answer in all sorts of different ways. And it may be that he uses a person to do that. And uh, he answers your prayers by a conversation that someone has with you where they say something, you say, ah, that has given me clarity. I've been praying to God. Please help me know what to do, this or that. 
and this person just says something and you think, I, I, I feel that that is actually the way that the Lord wants me to, to act. But he's, he's not going to act in a, in a way that is outside the Bible. Isn't that great? We've got the secure Bible to know how it is that we should live these parameters. But within that, sometimes it's like, do I go A or B? Do I go to Mac or KFC? Well, you know, maybe you just sort of, it's okay to go to either under most circumstances. And so God may answer prayers that way.